It's Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is our number two of Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester in studio with Jack DeLeon and Sasha Little of the Roadworthy Drive crew. If it moves, we'll be talking about it. From pedal bikes to autonomous cars and self-driving farm tractors, we got you covered. Thanks for joining us. On deck for this hour, the development of a new automotive manufacturing hub, the most stolen car by Metropolitan Area, and finally, why you may have already bought your last car ever. As usual, we want to hear from you, and connecting with the show is so easy. Call or text me in the Roadworthy Driveline in that number, 872-222-9793. If email is more convenient for you, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll hook you up to the show. In studio for our number two is, are the other members of the Roadworthy Drive crew, the bright and brilliant Sasha Little, and the show executive producer and all-around good guy, Jack DeLeon. How we doing? I almost feel like a superhero. Good. Because of that introduction. Now, I do want to point something out, Ken, because I have not even told you this yet. Okay. My niece is a sophomore at Virginia Commonwealth. She put up a post mm -hmm. Friday morning. Okay. My, my brother says this to her. Well, what did you learn this week in college? And she goes, uh, four wheel locks cost thirty nine ninety five. Somebody stole the wheels off of her car. Ouch. Yeah. Not cute. No, it was not cute at all. And, and ironically, uh, Virginia is not on that list, but we'll talk a little later. On what list? Uh, the list of most stolen. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm hoping that, that our state's not on that list. Too. It's Sa not, but we'll talk. Sasha, how you doing over there? I'm doing good. Doing good. good. Holding her own. She's being bright and brilliant. <laughs> God. Saucy well, and sassy. Well, I will tell you, after, after between shows here, we had a very lengthy discussion about the last topic from last hour. And if you need to go back and listen to that, go to our website at roadworthydrive.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you can listen to it. And you can also listen to behind the scenes where you will hear what we were talking about. Yeah. Mr. Chester, part's been this hour. What's in it? Okay. How about Oklahoma is ground zero for autonomous delivery vehicles? Really? Okay. I'll bite. Um. I believe the name of this company, Udelve, Udelve, it's U-D-E-L-V. They announced a fleet of 10 self-driving delivery vans to be used in Oklahoma City, of all places. And, you know, okay. we've, covered, we've covered autonomous vehicles around the country. Oklahoma is not a state, and Oklahoma City is not a town that's come up in our conversations before. Well, but the one thing you got to remember too is is being in a entrepreneurial society um it can happen anywhere. Well, let me bounce this off you. It's a San Francisco-based startup. They specialize in low-speed electric cargo vans and they did their first test driving in January this year. Okay. They're rolling it out in Oklahoma City to see if the small fleet of boxy vehicles performing grocery deliveries uh, will work. Uh, they're going to use it for uh, several grocery stores, Uptown Grocery, Buy for Less, and Smart Saver. Ooh. And uh, they've, they're now, in fairness, 
Each of these vehicles are going to have human drivers as fail-safes and be linked to the operation center that will allow for, and I quote, remote control and monitoring. Now, this is a fairly new company, uh, but the company boasts an accident-free record, something that Uber and uh, Tesla cannot. Okay, how long long has this company been in existence? Um, It does not say, but if they said they're younger, I'd say probably within the last couple of years. Okay, They're fairly new, because we've never heard of them before. No, no, no. Let me put this in perspective, people. You've went a whole whopping 24 months without a single accident? I am 37 years old. I have been driving since I was 16, and I still have not been in an accident. That's not technically true, Sasha. Huh? That's not technically true. Okay. Ice caused one. Yeah, okay. Enough said. All right. Um, Their quote uh, from their CEO, Udell's ATVs, what they're calling them, are separate to the class of vehicle. Oh, wait a minute. Wait Uh a minute. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me, no, no, I didn't read this right. Okay. They were responding to the uh, accident by um, Uber back in May. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so I need to qualify that. They said that their vehicles are separate uh, class of vehicle involved in that accident. Uh, our purpose is to carry deliveries, not people. This means they don't need to go as fast as public transport vehicles, can handle situations differently, and their quote, will always prioritize human safety. That's what they said. How top speed does this vehicle go? When they're saying low speed, now they don't say the speed, but to me, low speed means 25 to 35 miles an hour. I, I love how they insert things that, I mean, literally mean nothing. Like, we prioritize the safety of, you know, people around us. Like, you're going to come out and be like, and we don't really care about pedestrians. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, of course you're going to put emphasis on the safety of people i mean that's Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. given well but the one thing they're trying to do sasha is they're trying to make sure that safety is out there number one so people will trust them to bring them whatever they're getting delivered until the first accident exactly okay right let me throw this at you two words actually three words Uh uh-huh 2019 okay nissan ultima 2019 Nissan Altima. Uh, Is it all electric? By the look on your face, I would say this is bad news. Not necessarily. It may be good news for them. Um, Basically, Nissan's takes very simple. They've developed their next generation uh, midsize sedan. They're actually going to build an all-wheel drive version of this car for the first time. I was always shocked that they, it did not come in an all-wheel drive option. I was not. It's a cost issue. It's a take rate issue. Oh, it's a manufacturing issue. I know. Their point is, with everybody leaving the car market, right? Um, it's kind of a last man standing. We're going to mop the floor with what's left and actually make money doing it. Okay. And that's their whole thing. Um, the point that they believe, uh, along with some other Asian manufacturers, Toyota and Honda most uh, notably, right? Asian auto manufacturers have a pretty clear field and are poised to capture 88% of the mid-sized car market by 2022, up, for 20, up from 64% in 2012. But it's also important to note, the pie is smaller, but there's fewer people wanting a piece of the pie. Yeah, but you're always going to have people, I believe, that are going to want some kind of car. Yeah, well, try this on for size. Uh, Car sales are expected to drop to 4 million in 2023, 
down from 7.1 million in 2012. So almost in half. Wow. In not even 10 years. And they already said that compared to last year, the traditional domestics car sales fell below their 2009 level. Bear in mind, Ford, although they've announced to get out of the car business, they still build the Fusion. That's on tap till 2021. It's not gone yet. So No, but they're also still going to build the Mustang, too. Yeah, well, the Mustang is, that's the one car they decided to. But looking at all the cars they gave up over the last 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fraction. Now, the point is, uh, it's believed that the Asian manufacturers can handle this better because their factories are so flexible, they can shift more easily from cars to crossovers and back again, depending on what the price of oil does. Okay. okay. So they've got more flexibility. Like, they talk about the Ultima. It shares its mechanical underpinnings with the larger Maxima, the Murano crossover, and, believe it or not, the Pathfinder, which was a surprise to me. Hmm. So, yeah, they can build any of those vehicles depending on what demand is. So there's that. They originally were forecasting to sell 340,000 of them. They rolled that back to about 200-some-odd thousand uh, because even though they expect to sell them, uh, the pie is shrinking. So there's food for thought on that. Now, even Honda, which the Accord is the perennial bestseller favorite everybody loves, this year, sales fell 14%. Ooh. And that's in spite of a complete redesign. Wow. So, yeah, cars are falling. <laughs> Did they redesign it to be a pickup? No. <laughs> Heavens, no. Um, but that's where we're at now. Um, the Asians are betting that there's money left on the table. We'll find out. And it means better deals all the way around for basically anybody looking for a car. Better yeah. car, probably competitive price. Um, when we come back for topic A, we will explore the future impact of a new automotive manufacturing center in a previously unlikely place. And that's next. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're riding shotgun with Roadworthy Drive. to roadworthydrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. and the Willis Custom Eagle for 1954. And here is the beautiful automobile that car experts themselves think is the most exciting automobile of the year, the 1954 Aero Willis, the one really new car in America. You can see all four fenders from the driver's seat, and you can go around turns without that uncomfortable sway and roll. And test prove with overdrive that you can cover up to 500 miles on a single tank of gas. But the big news this year on Arrow Willis is right here under this stylish sloping hood. More power. 27% more power. That means more power per pound of car than the largest selling cars in America. In modern style, economy, safety, and now with more power, you can really step right out in front in your new Arrow Willis.
I wish the two of you would quit talking behind my back. <laughs> it's technically not. I mean, it's right in front of you. I know and it was we're right saying in front of me, nice but things. I can't hear you. <laughs> ah, well. Good Lord. If, if you're just tuning in, this is Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester along with Sasha Little and Jack DeLeon. And together we are better known as the Roadworthy Drive crew. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Oh, the talk behind his backers. Yes. Uh, you may want to buckle up for this one. Uh, the topic for this segment of the program is about a new automotive manufacturing hub in what may have been considered an unlikely part of the world. The place is North Africa, and I saw this one coming. A growing number of automakers are setting up shop there, and I'm going to start with this. Tariffs have consequences. Yep. Let me paint you a picture. Okay. I always knew. Please use pastels. That the way that economy works, as a country starts and develops a manufacturing base and the wages get higher people they create a middle class a standard of living raises it forces other low cost or commodity products can no longer be profitably made there yep. so manufacturers will go to another low cost country repeat the process yep. wages rise then they move it again i knew that after china there would be another one uh to give you an example if you go back in the 1970s we're talking about Japan. In the 1980s, early 1990s, we're talking about Korea. Now we're talking about China. The next place is Africa. Why? Low cost. Lots of, um, of uh, raw materials. And uh, the best way to stop a civil war is economic development. Yeah. No, that's true. Yep. So here's the thing. The countries there, namely Morocco, for one, Said, you know what? I had forgotten. We want, if you're going to sell here, you got to build here. And that was us in 1982. And see, when I brought that up in first hour, that was who I was thinking of, was because I had read that, that Morocco had made that point. And it brought up an interesting, like what you're saying. I mean, there are, rather than paying, you know, three de sets of, of uh, tariffs, if they produce in Africa, they only have to pay the one. Yeah, but here, here's what they're already doing. Not just Morocco, but Algeria is doing the same thing. I did not read that Algeria yeah, was doing it. Yeah, they are. They've required nearly all new cars in the country to be produced there. Amen. Volkswagen's already built an assembly plant. Good for them. Um, Morocco used to be the only hub in all of the African continent. Okay. Was South Africa. Oh. Due to apartheid and all of that, a lot of the companies pulled out. South Africa used to be ground zero. Even Ford was there over 100 years. Morocco has already overtaken South Africa in volume already. Wow. Now, um, also there, they are already supplying European auto factories. Ford, uh, namely, their high-tech plant in uh, Spain comes from Morocco. Parts. So let me go a little further with this. Um, Volkswagen is, didn't stop there, and I'm not surprised. I named these two countries. Uh, they're opening plants in Kenya and Rwanda. Yeah. Rwanda surprises me. I not was just about me. to say that, Jack. I'm with you. I'm not, surprises surpri me. I'm not Aren't surprised. Aren't we still dealing in a civil war there? You know, like I said earlier, fastest way to stop war, economic development. So they're making a bet that they are... Go, they're establishing a, what would you say, like a, um, a Industrial permanent, hub. Well, and a permanent source of income. 
and they are thinking by establishing that. Now, are they providing? And I, they're I'm not sure- getting in all that. All they're doing is reporting. I know what you're going to ask me. I really do. You're going to ask me are they re- providing this, that, and the other for the employees? No, I don't know that. Okay, but I will leave you with this. I, I, w- ask- I would, I would have to ask the question: Security? Are they providing security? Yep. Security is yeah. an issue. They acknowledge that. But also remember, you're not just building an assembly plant. You're building an entire logistical infrastructure. Steel, raw materials, metals, everything that goes into logistical companies, suppliers, all of that comes with the factory. So you start multiplying that in an economy and you build a hub. You get two or three automakers together. You've made it economically feasible for suppliers to move in there that do business with all of them. Right. And what my thing was is that I was wondering if they were going to build like a community, Mm. you know, complete with the houses. They didn't get in all that. Okay, I was just curious. I knew you were going to ask that, but they're not getting into all that. Okay. Um, right now, they said the market across all of Africa is 59 million vehicles. Ooh. They expect it to go to 90 million. Ooh. And that's still nothing considering there's over 60 countries down there. Wow. Now, you want another? Still blowing your mind? Try this on for size. Since 2011, foreign direct investment rose from $5 billion in 2011 to $12 billion by 2016, Largely driven by the automakers. Now, having said all of that, think about this. Is it a stretch? With the new tariffs that may be, and still in fairness, full disclosure, Congress does have to approve them, and there's no guarantee that they will. Right. But let's just assume for a minute the tariffs between uh, United States, Mexico, and Canada are approved as is, particularly with that $16 kicker and that 75% U.S. kicker uh, for content. Is it a stretch? That if you were building at the lower end of the market, that you would need to move things to a country that you don't currently charge tariffs in or out of to supply other countries, even into Mexico or even into the United States. Uh, Because what you're going to see, automakers are looking at even right now, the flip side of this story is moving engine and transmission facilities here. But we're talking BMW, Mercedes, high-end cars that can afford to do it. If you're at the low end, you can't. And if, if you can't, if you're not paying $16 an hour in Mexico, and most aren't, then you're going to have to look at if I'm going to sell a small car or a, a economical car that is at the low end of the spectrum below $25,000, I got to figure out a way to do it. And if I do it, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to Africa. Well, and see, the U.S. has, hasn't figured out how to make a profit off of a small car anyway. Well, I mean, we've talked about that. But you can't. I mean, there's just some things you're not able to do. It just can't. And that's it's not feasible. And that's, and that's fine, but you also need to create a situation where you want to bring jobs in. This is called unintended consequences. Africa saying, sure, come on. We'll, yeah, come on. We'll make it possible. We'll guarantee your safety. Come on and, you know, do something. Which is what I was saying. You know, they'll take it to another country where they only have to pay one set of tariffs. as Or opposed no to, tariffs. Or no tariffs as opposed to two or three. Yeah. Food for thought will continue on that subject. Next, what's the most stolen car in America? Hint, it's not a performance or sports car. Is it the one you are currently driving? <laughs> we explore that subject when we return. Real facts, real opinions, and real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthydrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show.
Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Yep, this is indeed Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester in studio with Jack and Sasha, the Roadworthy Drive crew. For those of you who want to learn more about Roadworthy Drive, about the Roadworthy Drive crew and the show, go to roadworthydrive.com. Clips of past shows, video of some of our past in-studio antics. Yep, it's all there. For those of you who are truly mobile, you can find us on Google Play, Blueberry Podcasting, and Stitcher. For our listeners who are active on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Sasha keeps things light and lively during the week between shows with her inspirational and thought-provoking posts. Like us on Facebook so that you can stay up to date on what Sasha wants to share with you. That's right. And this week we're actually going to be doing the uh, Wheels of Non-Consent. You'll find that on... Uh... Wait, a, wait a minute. You, 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 you got... Hold of a car. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We have to cut off his uh, his headset so that way he can't hear. No, you go, ahead. go ahead. Okay, so for those of you who know, I tend to quote unquote borrow uh, Ken's cars uh, when he gets them, and then luckily he does not notice that uh, the car was missing. Stop it! You're not supposed to hear this. And um, <laughs> so this week, um, I was going to be doing two cars, but they sent one that's a manual transmission, and I don't know remember how to drive one. Ah, so, stop it! Thanks. So, Clutch is thanking <laughs> God right now. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. Wow. Anyway, I think that's a little sexist. Uh, what? No, Never no, no. Mind. Anyway, so um, I am driving one of my favored car brands. Um, and yes, I do have favorites, but I am driving one of their smallest SUVs. Yeah, actually, the smallest. Smallest, one they said. and just released this year. Yep. Very impressed uh, for what they're asking for it and what's included in it. Um, I like it a lot. I need it back, Sasha. I, I mean, this one has. I wondered where it went. I was averaging people 32 miles per gallon for a crossover. For a crossover. I mean, I was, I'm really, and it's an all-wheel drive. Did I mention all-wheel drive? 32 miles, yeah, 32 miles to the gallon. Oh, my. I really don't want to give it back. And where can we see this? Um, I'm actually going to be posting that. It's going to be posted for Instagram. You want to look for Tech with Sasha. And then on Facebook, um, Tech with Sasha or Roadworthy Drive on Facebook, our Facebook pages. It's going to be on there. Um, You're going to see last week we actually had a huge behemoth. And uh, the Toyota Sequoia at 14 miles per gallon. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I took that out to like do Like driving your house. It was. It was. We could move in like eight people. And so, the dog. And the dogs, yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you want to look for that. Um, the Wheels of Non-Consent is up and rolling. And of course, you know, check us out on, uh, on Twitter. Okay, then. Uh, car theft. Nice. It's the nice. thing. Believe it or not, despite our truck-heavy, SUV-loving culture here in the good old U.S. of A., the number one vehicle that is stolen is a car. More amazing is the fact that it's a 20-year-old car. So what? Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that it's not only a certain make and model, but a certain year is the most stolen? Yes. And it's 20 years old? Yes. So that would have to mean, because, okay, Jack, we get a chance to guess— that would have but to hold, hold that thought because I want to get there. Let me get there and then you can guess. I want to get there now. No. Like the, uh, the, trust me, folks, I'm shaking my head too, but it, the website, asecurelife.com, has crunched the numbers to figure that out. They've also compiled a list of the top 10 cities per capita where your car is most likely to be stolen. <laughs> and here's a hint none of the major metropolitan areas are on the list. In fact, 
Number one place per capita where you're most likely to get your car stolen? Where? Oakland, California. That's a big city. No, it's a suburb, believe it or not. It's San a big Francisco. city. It's still a big city. It's, it's, it's a big city. Uh, yeah. Guess what number two is? Where? A- and I'm sorry, folks. Seattle. No. Springfield, Missouri. Per capita. What? Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Field, Missouri. Okay, so out of the... In the middle of a cornfield. Uh, low what? rising mountain. Where are you going to go? Yeah, really. Like, do they have uh, like a... Let me read the rest of the list. <sighs> Haywood, California. Nah. Richmond, California. Duh. Uh, Tacoma, Washington, south of Seattle. Okay. San Bernardino, California. Grantham, Oregon. Kent, Washington. And a suburb of Kansas City, Independence. <gasps> really? The home really. of uh, Zardas. The home of Harry Truman. Truman. Thank you. Um, okay. Wait now. a minute. I got to throw this out because well, I got to get it. Least this isn't number- a talk show. This is just Yeah. Show. Wait a minute. Least number of car thefts. Number seven position. Least number now. Least number. Wait, why is there only seven? They didn't do there ten? There are ten. But I want to le- the one in seventh position okay. is most notable. All right. What do you got? New York City. What? What? <laughs> yes. What? Well, well, let, but, well, but then again, let's also talk about there are people. Population. Who, population, and it's very tight, and not most many people do not own a car. And, okay. and, no, and why the did fact I just, that you don't need a car why did with I public just, transportation. Why did I just literally picture someone trying to steal a car and then getting stopped in traffic like a half a block later? Probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, uh. yeah. yeah. Um, so that. Um, to get to where Sasha wanted to go. Okay, can and we I, now take that off ramp? That's because I mean we're you going. were really, really okay. Uh-huh. So okay. we get to guess. Okay, twenty years old. Now, re- now remember something. Yes, what he said. Okay, most of the most of the towns that have the problem are on the west coast. So I'm going to guess it is a small little car that people were. We're tricking out. That's what I was going to gonna be, say. Because uh, what 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 do they, what, no. they, what do they call it when they when they low tuners. rider? Tuners. No, 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 no. Where they uh, break and drive? Oh yeah, the the, oh, the wheelies. The the are you, you know, ta- are you talking drift, about drifting. Rubber. drifting drifting drifting? Yeah. All right, let me hit this. Okay, okay go. And you're wrong. Number one stolen car, Honda Accord. Wait, what? Who fixes up a Honda Accord? Number two stolen car, Honda Civic. Now that I believe. That one because you know they number put the three LED stolen vehicle. I'm going to still keep talking, uh, and and they they like to trick that, it out like the. Are you done? <laughs> let him let him finish. Okay. Number three stolen vehicle. This is of Jack needs to know this. Ford F one hundred and fifty. Oh, I thought you said it was just a cars. Yeah, uh, but typically west and south. Number four, believe it or not, Chevy Silverado, and number five. Toyota Camry. Most Lexus. most most stolen car. Wow. Now, to answer your question, um, oldest most stolen car, or basically last year, most stolen cars last year, in last 20, in 2017, 1978 Honda Civic. Wow. Last year. That was the year before I graduated. Uh, number two, most stolen car last year in the United States. Mm-hmm. 1997 Honda Accord. Is the Saturn SL2 in there somewhere? No, not even Nin- close. No. 1997. No, no. And see, and I would think the most stolen vehicle would have been the old, the older Cadillac Escalade. <gasps> right. Yeah, but right, no. Right. Or those. Number, uh, let me the round Monte this Carlos out before we go stuff? to the break. Number three 
2006 Ford pickup, number four, 2004 Chevy pickup, and number five, 2017 Toyota Camry, which is interesting to note that even with all the security stuff on the newer cars, yeah, but they're it, still getting stolen. Wasn't there a hack, though, that no. you were able to do? That oh. wasn't how it got stolen. People oh. leaving them unlocked and leaving them running, <laughs> and that, that happens. Okay. For the last segment of this hour, reasons why you may have already bought the last car you will ever own, that's next. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. Listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. After the last conversation in the studio, I now need a safe room. <laughs> a safe room. <laughs> Do you need a hug me jacket? Uh, no. Apparently. No, no, no. Or no, just no. better drugs? I don't know. We're trying. Go on. Yeah. If this is the last segment for our two of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in. It's Ken Chester of the Roadworthy Drive crew along in the studio with Jack and Sasha. Yes. With the development of the connected car, mm-hmm. the Internet of Things. Preach it. And now the dawn of the age of the self-driving car. Yes. Yeah, might think that the days of personal ownership of a passenger car like truck might be about over. Yes, they are. Now, we're going to consider this one writer's take on the dis- uh, on this subject mm-hmm. for discussion and debate. It's not that I agree with everything he says, but I think it's a good start to he kind of bring, bring up, up some things. Yep, he brought up some great points. Of course, you are more than welcome to weigh in via the Roadworthy Driveline or via email. You can call or text us at 872-222-9793 or email the show, ken at roadworthydrive.net. Sasha? Yes, sir. Are we really going to have a discussion or are we going to have a street fight? Um, We left the knives at home, didn't we? We agreed to do that this time. You didn't leave your... I mean... Boy, read your email, woman. Anyway, my point is, is that I am looking to buy... To purchase a vehicle in the next year. Well, yeah, you just about have to. Right. <laughs> right. However, um, when I came across this article, um, I thought it was very pertinent given what we're talking about because he brought up a lot of good points. Um, I fully intend that the next vehicle that I buy will be my last vehicle. Um, I don't expect that I will trade it in for anything. Um, I think that it will probably be parked most of the time and maybe my teenagers might use it from time to time during that last bit of, uh, you know, where I'm paying for the service, but they don't necessarily pay for the service and they might need to use the car. But as far as me owning a vehicle, yeah, no, as soon as it comes available and it becomes a thing, I will not own a vehicle. Couple of statistics to, to frame this in. The average vehicle that a person buys sits doing nothing 95% of the time. Yep. Average mileage, on average, twelve to 15,000 miles. Yep. And that is a year, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's funny. Now, let me start with the writer's, pref- the writer's premise. A growing number of tech analysts are predicting that less than 20 years we have all stopped owning cars and what's more, the internal combustion engine will be consigned to the dustbin of history. Yep. Um, he says, yes, it's a big claim. You should be skeptical. 
but the argument that a unique convergence of new technology is poised to revolutionize personal transportation is more persuasive than you think. Now, we've talked about the many pieces of it. We've, we've talked about uh, Internet of Things. Uh, we've and have not heard any more about Canvas, by the way, there, Sasha. Canvas. What's going on with Canvas? Canvas is still rolling out. How I, do we know that? Uh, because I follow them on Facebook. So how come we haven't heard anything? Because you told me that you were going to find me 50 cents for every time I said Canvas. Canvas? Uh, ain't that up to about $3 now? I mean... No, three fifty. dollars uh. <laughs> And that was the executive producer who was going to find you. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, put, it, put, it, put, it in, put it in the jar at the edge <laughs> of the table there, please. Um, oh, wait a minute. Is that how we're paying for Christmas dinner this year? <laughs> you weren't supposed to know that, but yes. Oh, so we're going to, like, those candy machines that are... No, no. By... No, actually, we're going to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, and that's a step up. <laughs> actually for us um the central idea that he proposes is pretty simple self-driving electric vehicles organized into an uber style network would be able to offer such cheap transport that you'll be very quickly maybe in 10 years decide you don't need a car anymore now we've talked about people who have actually got there we talked about uh in i believe it was either finland or norway yep we followed a fella yep uh who in the course of a year uh, because of where they were at self-driving cars and electric cars, gave up his car. Yeah, wasn't that the one where he stopped driving it for a year mm -hmm. to see how much it would cost him? And then from there, he went to, um, and then he just sold it because it was it was like not even... It wasn't even comparable. What he was spending to have other people drive him compared to what it cost him to maintain his own vehicle was like three times the amount. Yeah, between and yeah between Uber, public transportation, and that whole uh, infrastructure right. that's available. And to be honest, I was in college in a major eastern metropolitan city 40 years ago. 40 years ago. I didn't own a car until the day before I got my degree. Because wow. within 50 miles, you didn't need one. And when you went out of town, and bear in mind, this is in the 70s, I rented a car Yeah, for the weekend. I didn't need to own a car, which was great because I had nowhere to park it. So, But you didn't need one. And that was then. So this is not revolutionarily new. But we're getting there as everything is starting to come together and there's more choice. And that's the big thing. Um, as autonomous vehicles develop. And we get the safety protocol. Um, if you can prove over time it's safe, the adoption rate will continue to go up. Yep. Um, you're going to get advantages. We talked about this last hour about uh, replacing vehicles with electric cars and the health benefits and the safety benefits, which will offset uh, the disruption of industry and maintenance and how the government collects money to offset infrastructure. And that's going to be an ongoing conversation for sure. But here's the thing. Did you realize that the average electric car manufacturer expects their vehicles to last 500,000 miles? No, I did not know that number. And I'm going to throw this in. Um, on average, uh, those people who are using autonomous vehicles that are developed the fleets – they expect to get a factor of six over average mileage per year. They expect those vehicles to travel 90,000 miles a year. I, yep. And see, here's my thing. That's about 
I mean, where I live and where the kind of miles that I have to put on, I mean, I'm driving almost a thousand miles a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's 52,000 miles a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, wow. For me, it's one of those things where I could definitely see where they're, you know, a transportation vehicle that they're saying 90,000. The thing, the thing that concerns me the most, and Sasha and I have talked about this, is the fact that as you go electric and as you go autonomous, um, I don't see how you get to a ton- full autonomy and still have. The U.S. Department of Transportation that we talked about last week, uh, talking about we're going to preserve your right to drive your car. I don't see. Nah, there comes a day when they cannot make that promise. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not again. And I preface you're not people are too irresponsible behind the wheel. Well, on that note, that about does it for our visit for this week. Be sure to tune in again when next week we do it all over again. Thanks for tuning in. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.